Hi there, it's another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead. Well, Ron, we're going to delve into the waters of real estate. And as we said in our uh, wrap-up of last week's show when we were talking about reverse mortgages, real estate is a big, big issue. There's so much to talk about here. So we want to break it down into several shows. Where do we want to start? We're going to start by talking about the advantages of real estate and how um, real estate reacts under a number of scenarios. For example, how does it do under in, in times of inflation? And uh, we'll, we'll certainly look at some of the tax aspects of real estate, uh, why you should have real estate in your portfolio for diversification, the performance of real estate. And so there's a lot of areas that we're going to cover. Uh, next show, we're going to get into the drivers of real estate. In other words, what are the drivers that make prices go up? And probably just as importantly, what makes prices go down. We're going to be looking at real estate investment trusts. We're going to be talking about the different types of real estate investments that you can make. For example, you can buy houses to flip. You can buy houses to rent. You can buy houses for your principal residence. Uh, you can invest in commercial buildings. You can buy raw land. And we'll look at some of the drivers of those individual markets and some of the things that are do's and don'ts that you can do to make money at it. Uh, we'll take a look at it at REITs and um, real want. estate investment trusts in case Absolutely. you don't know. Yeah. So, and uh, the pros and cons of them, the types of real estate investment trusts, then we'll venture off and, and look at some of the the numbers behind it, how to calculate your cap rate, how much leverage should you be using. And then we'll, uh, for the last show, we'll be looking at some of the things that you can consider that are a little bit more exotic, like if you want to invest internationally. Okay, and I think one of the, the basic, good place to start here is the old saw. They ain't making any more of it when they talk about land, right? We know so many people historically that have done so well investing in real estate. So let's get started here. Real estate gives inflation protection. Well, let's just start with a, with a good example. So let's say you buy a property and you rent and your rent increases at the rate of inflation. So let's say your rent increases at 2% inflation. So if the average rent in the United States, and I use the US numbers because I couldn't find any average Canadian numbers that were handy and I spent a lot of time searching. But in the US, the average median rent is $766, which works out to $9,192 per year. So let's say you took and started to rent your property today at $766 a month. And you were able to pass on these inflation increases year after year. It would mean after 10 years, your rent would go up to $934. After 20 years, it would go up to $1,138. And at the end of 30 years, it would now be $1,388. So inflation is a very, very powerful force. So if uh, you rented a place for 766 a month and the average home in the U.S. is roughly 200 grand, it means that your yield would be 4.61%. Now, if you take repairs and taxes, that's not so great. But if you're able to apply 2% inflation year after year, after 20 years, your yield now, just with the, you look at your purchase price versus what you're now getting, your yield has gone up to 8.32%. Well, that's not bad. No, and if you're buying bonds, if I buy a 20-year bond tomorrow at 4%, that's all it's ever going to get, and that 
interest that I get off that bond is going to get eroded year after year by that 2%. So the buying power on the interest I'm making on a bond is not going to increase, where generally with inflation, your rent does increase. And frankly, if you look at you get a little higher rates of inflation. Like let's say it goes to 3%. Well, all of a sudden, just 1% increase. Your rent goes from $766 a month to after 30 years, it's now $800 or $1,859. Like it has gone up two and a half times. So inflation is really your friend in real estate, not just rent, but the value of the property going up. So if you had a property that you paid $100,000 for today and you had 1% inflation, well, it would go up in 30 years to $134,000. But if you had 3% inflation, your 100,000 you invested today would be uh, 30 years from now, 3% inflation, 240, almost $243,000. So you would have seen the value of your, your property 150%. Yeah, 150%, which when you add in the rent, all of a sudden, and this is compounding, all of a sudden you're getting yourself a really, really dandy rate of return that gives you some inflation protection. That's fantastic. Well, the numbers work. They're there. You can see it. It's, uh, and you know, there aren't very many $100,000 home, but we're doing this as an example just to show you how the math can work and how that compounding can work. Now, let's, uh, let's take a look at one of the other uh, examples of one of the positive aspects of real estate and an example to go with it is leverage. Okay. Now, Gord, did you take a mortgage out when you bought a house? Yes. I took a mortgage out. And frankly, I've, I know a couple kids that uh, got a huge, massive inheritance from their parents. But... Out of, let's say, 100 friends, I would have to say that 98 of them took out a pretty good-sized mortgage to buy their house. Now, well, after, yeah. yeah, and after maybe their third or fourth flip till they got to their final house, well, maybe they paid it off right away or they had the cash to pay it off. But to start, you usually have to borrow, and that is called leverage. And leverage can be a two-edged sword for you because... Unfortunately, if it's not used judiciously, it can destroy your wealth as far as fast as creating it. Now, if you're buying a typical home for $200,000 and you would generally put $40,000 in cash and you can finance the rest with a $160,000 mortgage, this means that you're using five times leverage. So what happens here is for every 1% of the, that a house goes up in value, your equity, because you're leveraged five to one, goes up 5%. So this is a great way to, way to increase your wealth because, for example, if you go to a brokerage firm and want to borrow money, you might be able to borrow 50, maybe even 60% of the value of your portfolio. Well, here, you're able to put 20% down and borrow the rest. And over time, real estate markets generally have gone in an upward direction over time. And if you use some leverage and you judiciously pay it off, that enhances your return over time just because of the fact that you've got five to one leverage working for you. And I would think too, given economies and, and, and population growth, people are going to need a place to live. They're always going to need a place to live. And, and I'm not, you know, I don't want to delve off into the homeless issue or anything, but it's just going to 
over time, it's just going to keep going up, right? You know, they're not making any more of it. That's right. Yeah, that, that, that's the old rule. They aren't making any more land. And this, as you've always talked about, Ron, and I've heard you use this term uh, in other episodes that we've talked about, it's forced savings. Yeah, typically if you buy a home and you don't make your mortgage payment, then all of a sudden you get all the bad things start cascading. Your credit rating goes to uh, crap and uh, you start getting very menacing letters from your mortgage uh, provider telling you that unless you make some payments, uh, you're going to have some problems. And of course, if things don't happen, uh, eventually you're going to find your mortgage provider forecloses against you. And most people don't want that. And the mortgage payment comes out every month. It's almost paymentless. You do all your budgeting ahead of time and you make sure before you buy a house, you got enough to make the payment and bang, it comes out every month. And usually when your wages go up a little bit and you've got to renegotiate your mortgage in one, two, three, four, or five years, typically you can, if interest rates haven't gone up a lot, you say, well, we've got a little more room. Maybe we can put a little bit more money on it and wham, before you know it, 10, 15 years, you've got it paid off because you paid some in advance and uh, you've got a home that's appreciated in value and you've got 100% equity in it. So that is forced savings. Now, on the other side of that, we have to, we, we always want to talk about the tax issues here. There are benefits, right? Oh, totally. If you live in the house... Your principal residence. Your print, and they call it your principal residence. The ownership is tax-free. So if you bought a house for $400,000 and lived in it for 10 years and it's now worth 600000 if you sell it, that 200000 the tax man is not sitting out there with their handout. So if you have a principal residence, it's a great perk for Canadians. Also, if you have second property so that you've got a property that you rent out and you buy it and you sell it, well, the gain that you make on it is called a capital gain. And that capital gain, you pay half the tax on that you'd pay on, on interest-bearing investments, for example. And if you lost money on it, you could claim a capital loss against it, which you'd be able to write off some of your gains. So there are some tax benefits there as well to, to owning property. So that's the compounding part of it. Uh, what about success rates? Well, the compounding part of it here again, the nice thing, if you go back and look at the tax, is that if I buy a house and I, it's a rental house, I'm sure going to have to pay uh, tax on my income, but I'm really not going to face a big tax hit on it until I sell it. So if I own it for 30 years and then I bought it for 100000 and it's now worth 300000 I haven't paid tax on the income, like on a GIC where you got to pay tax every year. I managed to compound that money for 20 or 30 years without paying tax. And when I can compound something and let it grow, it's far more efficient because I'm investing $0.10 cent dollars worth on the reverse side. If I'm paying tax every year on interest, I'm only getting to reinvest 50 cents on the dollar of that interest. Okay, so let's talk about success rates here. I, I think you asked me before we started, how many people you know that own houses? Well, you know, pretty much everybody I know is living in a house. And you say, have you ever invested in real estate? They'd all put their hands up, right? Yeah. And if you ask people uh, how successful they've been, most people would say, I've made more money on real estate than any other type of investment. And the reason is you're don't have a neon sign on your front lawn every day when you come home and say you're down 10 grand today. 
And so people just quietly pay off their mortgages, put their head down, live there for 20 years. And sure enough, even modest growth rates of 2 and 3 and 4%, over time, the gains are, are huge. So owning real estate forces you to do what most people don't do with other types of investments. You buy and hold and forget about it and just put your head down and pay it off. What about diversification in real estate? Well, in my own portfolio, I've always had roughly about 25% of my portfolio in real estate. I've had 25% in stocks. I've had 25% fixed income. And roughly, I've had about 25% in businesses that I've owned and, uh, and sold or closed for one reason or another. Real estate is a separate asset class. And it's tremendously useful for diversification. And the reason is that economic drivers that move real estate prices are often different than the, the drivers that affect fixed income or precious metals or stocks. So it allows you to diversify. And it's especially good to create income. And it's especially good in environments where you have inflation. Okay, now that's just sort of nibbling at the edge on real estate. As we say, this is a multi-pronged approach. There are so many different places that we can talk about, and we will get into that in the next episode and in, in subsequent episodes. Uh, again, this is, a, this is a, a key component of any good investment strategy, whether it's just individually owning your home and it's very quietly accruing in the background, or if you are a more adventurous inve investor and you have a little extra capital, you can go out and investigate other parts of real estate investing. We'll get into those as well. Join us for our next episode as we continue to unlock the mysteries of real estate and how to go about doing it the most practical way and with hopefully the least amount of risk. The Financial Coach is Ron Hebert. I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll join you next week with more on Making Money. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.